You're listening to Three Kitchens Podcast, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Now let's get cooking because I'm starving. This episode of Three Kitchens is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough and they understand business owners in Alberta are busy. Let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Welcome to Three Kitchens Podcast. I'm your host, Heather. I'm here with my co-hosts, Erin and Sarah. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. And today we have a special guest because we are talking about something we're looking forward to. We've been really looking forward to this one. We're talking about vintage American recipes. And with us is a little bit of an expert on this topic. Her name is Chef Kiki Call. She has a passion for sharing vintage American recipes from the 1920s to the 70s and also runs a private uh, chef service in Delaware. Um, I found you on your popular Facebook group, Vintage Recipes. It is a hopping little group. If anybody's into vintage American cooking, we're going to probably talk more about your Facebook group. But welcome, Kiki. We're so happy to have you here. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here too. Um, like I said, I'm excited to talk about vintage recipes. I talk about it all the time. And um, I've really been enjoying your podcast too. Oh, that's wonderful. And happy to be here. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you found your passion for vintage cooking? Sure. Well, as you mentioned, I am a personal chef. So I have a personal chef business and I specialize in vintage recipes. Though in my business, I can cook all cuisine. Um, that is my main focus. When I was a girl, my mother was an amazing cook. Mm. We had a large family. The whole center of our home was around the kitchen. Um, my mother was actually a trained chef and uh, baker. She did not pursue that as a career because she got married instead and had children. But she continued to cook for her family and her community. And I think that was the beginning of my love of not just cooking, but um, vintage recipes in particular, the 60s and the 70s. And then my parents were older, so they were World War II generation. So mm -hmm. a lot of her recipes were from the 40s, the 30s, the 50s. She was very much the mid-century modern housewife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's where my love of vintage began. I started the Facebook page about 11 years ago, believe it or not, just as a hobby, just because I had a love of vintage recipes and I thought, oh, I'm going to start a little page about vintage recipes and maybe I'll talk a little bit about being a chef. And um, it just grew from there. People just loved it. They became fascinated with it. And um, as you said, it's a pretty hopping page right now. I'm really happy. People seem to enjoy it. I get hundreds of messages from people telling me that they saw something on my page that their grandmother used to make. Oh, nice. Or they're looking for a recipe that somebody um, made in the past and, and they're wondering if I have it. So um, it's been great. It's been wonderful. And I love it. And now I've got over 
what, 350,000 followers. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And where do you find those recipes that you post on there? Well, you know, it's funny. I just put up a little video of that last week, I think. I have quite a collection of vintage recipes. My love of the vintage uh, lifestyle started when I was very young. So, and cooking and baking, as I mentioned, with my mother and many other, the women, I should say, that were in the kitchens of my youth. Mm-hmm. All of them inspired me. Um, so I started collecting cookbooks and magazines, you know, newspaper clip outs of uh, recipes, recipe cards. I mean, sometimes you go to a church sale or a yard sale and you might find a whole box of uh, recipe cards from somebody. I would be the person that goes immediately to the book section. Are there cookbooks? I want them. So I have probably several hundred cookbooks. Wow. Wow. <laughs> When I did my little video last week, I said, I showed part of it. And I said, this is probably maybe about 100. The rest are packed in my basement because I just don't have room. So I go wandering down there every once in a while and go through the boxes. And I'll find something that I haven't seen in a long time. It's just like finding a treasure. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, handwritten recipes from my own family or, like I said, cooks that I knew personally that inspired me. And um, sometimes followers send me recipes, too. That they have lots of sources. I don't think I'm going to run out anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of times people will comment and say, "I have this cookbook," or "My mom had that book." I remember this seeing that newspaper clip out. Like you know, it's kind of it's a fun that is cool thing that brings people together because obviously it's nostalgia and like all those good feelings of your memories with your grandma or you know, Aaron. Has yeah. done a couple of episodes like that. Absolutely nostalgia. One of my taglines is a taste of nostalgia. We're looking for that commonality, that nostalgia that connects people. I think that's why the page has done so well because it's a connection. It's a shared experience. You know, if you grew up in the in that, then talking about it or seeing the old recipes really brings back the memories. If you're a younger person. A lot of them are saying, oh, I remember my mom mentioning that about when she was young or my grandmother mentioning it. So I do have a little bit of a range of age that follows, but there are some younger people too that are really becoming interested in vintage recipes, and I love that. Mm -hmm. I think the most popular is when I put up handwritten recipes also. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love to see that. And I like to post the the recipes the way they appear. Mm -hmm. We often have to discuss it in the thread, like what something might mean, an ingredient or a technique or what you're supposed to do. But I still like people to see how it was written, either in a cookbook or by an individual. Mm. And I love the handwritten ones the best because a lot of times the notes are in the corner. Mm -hmm. That's the cook telling you that they already figured out the mistakes in this recipe. Right. So you might want to follow their advice. And Mm -hmm. they all have the most beautiful handwriting. Right. Like I know everything (laughs) that comes from my grandmother's generation and my great grandmother, like everything in there, their, their handwriting is just impeccable. And yet it's their everyday scratch. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, it's funny because some younger people were losing that because they aren't teaching cursive. Yeah. Sometimes I get questions going, can you print this out? That's a shame that we're losing that part. Yeah, that's true. So along with collecting vintage recipes, do you then collect vintage plates and cookware? Absolutely. I love all vintage is what I say. Everything vintage I'm in love with. I have a cast iron pan that belonged to my grandmother-in-law that's well over 100 years old. 
Wow. Um, I love cool. it. It's like a prized treasure. I love it. I use it all the time. I mean, it's so seasoned that nothing sticks to it. Right. I feel like you should come over to my house, Kiki, because <laughs> it was built in the 50s, renovated oh. in the 70s. Oh, and I love the it. kitchen is just everyone who walks into my house says, Oh, my grandma had that wallpaper. Or, <laughs> oh, my grandma's house was like this. And so I have such a love for that as well. And I've kind of moved into it. We have some tacky curtains and we have some tacky wallpaper but for us it's like carrying on that love that the previous it. owner had for her home and, right. and keeping it going <laughs> i love it well my mother constantly loved to decorate mm -hmm. so i can remember growing up in the kitchen with the big flower power wallpaper right you know, and the avocado green appliances Nice. Yes, that's right. See that today. I just love it. Well, it, it all kind of comes around and there's a lot of trends in cooking as well that mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, some of them have stood the test of time and some of them haven't. <laughs> but it's interesting sure. to see what have you seen on both of those ends of the spectrum, things that we still do and we still love and everybody still loves and requests from you what the meals they want and then things that are like, wow, that was a weird one that one and stay done. in the past <laughs> there are a lot of strange vintage recipes i will admit that but i think that they are less than foods that are very good but it's, it's always fun to look at some of them things like home-baked bread and meatloaf and mashed potatoes and um, macaroni and cheese all those types of dishes are still loved comfort food him yeah. even simple things like cinnamon toast i believe it or not buttering some toast and putting cinnamon sugar on it that if i post that people will just go crazy over it because they remember that their mother made it for them when they were sick or it was they went to grandma's and that's what she made so mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. of the foods can be very simple but bring back very good memories i actually have some that did not should never return i thought you would enjoy yeah oh yes <laughs> a couple of these are from marguerite Patton's recipe card so for instance um this is from a 1972 recipe card tuna and pear pizza <laughs> oh they have pickled walnuts anchovies okay i'll give you the anchovies because at least i have something to do with pizza but the sauce was pears and tuna mixed together Oh, no. And the picture of it on the recipe card is horrifying. <laughs> um, but another one here is called California Jello Ring. Jello sounds good. Um, but the nightmare begins when they put a blob of vanilla ice cream on top of the jello that has been filled with boiled prunes. Mm. <laughs> and believe it or not, she included an alternate to the recipe and said instead of using water you could use tea to make the jello and i thought that didn't improve it marguerite no. <laughs> <laughs> nice try but no it's not an option um a very american one from hormel foods fiesta peach spam bake it's pouring clean peaches including the juice over a whole spam loaf and putting cloves on top of it and baking it. Oh. Ooh, oh and this God. actually came from Hormel Foods advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> and then the piece de resistance here, the last one, a tomato banana tart. Now, who doesn't want a tomato banana tart? <laughs> um. It was literally 
mashed bananas and mayo stuffed in a tomato. Oh. So I don't know what was going on, but yet there's so many other amazing vintage recipes that you can make. I have one I'm going to quickly mention just because it came, I don't even know, it was in one of the cooking groups that I follow. And somebody said that her coworker had requested someone make this for his birthday. It was his birthday was coming up and he was like, I've seen this recipe. Can someone make it for me? And this woman posted on the Facebook group and was like, what the heck is this nonsense? Okay, so it's called a beef fizz. And it's a drink. Oh, no. It's two cans of condensed beef broth, one cup of chilled ginger ale, and two tablespoons of lemon juice. Combine the ingredients, pour over ice. Oh, no. Why did he need someone to make that for him? Question one. (laughs) Yeah, just make it yourself, dude. Like, do it yourself and suffer in in your own corner. (laughs) Exactly. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, the, um, I remember eating tomato aspic, which was like tomato juice, jello with salad in it. And Mm -hmm. that was like a regular thing at the Christmas holiday table and my dad's side of the family there were there were those jellied salads sometimes they were green sometimes it was a a sunshine salad with the orange i've made that for you guys i really like that one we do like sunshine salads still yeah some of them are good yeah yeah some were the fruit but i think the nostalgia of the jello mold still is appealing to people so, for instance, one of the recipes that I think you made that hopefully went well for you is an example of how you can kind of make it a little more modern. Right. Well, maybe we should talk about those recipes we made. Yes. Yes. We're talking about nostalgia and holiday season is upon us. And I think we don't tend to live around our families. Then bringing recipes into the house really make up for that missing the family and sort of remembering the family and Heather and Erin, I wasn't part of this process, but they picked two of your recipes. And Heather, why don't you talk about the jelly since we're talking about jelly? Yeah. So the one that you just mentioned, Kiki, is the Valentine's Prosecco fruit jelly, which is Mm -hmm. like, like you said, a more modern take on a jellied fruit salad. The liquid in the gelatin is Prosecco and club soda. And your recipe calls for a black raspberry liqueur, which I did not have, but I used Kirsch, um, which is a cherry liqueur. That's what's great too. You can just interchange. That's what I tell people. If you don't have something that's in the recipe, don't panic. Just use what you have. Yeah, yeah exactly. Most yeah. Of the time it'll work out. Yeah. And, and I used strawberries and blueberries and fresh mint. Mm-hmm. And in a bunt pan, fill it halfway. You put your fruit, right. let it set so that it doesn't all drop. Yeah. Like if you were to fill the whole pan, all your fillings like your fruit would be on the top when you invert it right yeah so that's very smart i thought that was a very smart um tip and then do the next layer let the whole thing set and when you flip it over when it's all set and get it out of that pan i (laughs) took me a couple of tries to get it out it looks so beautiful it's like a clear jelly with the fruit inside if you had edible flowers that would be really beautiful like in your photo and it even had the little bubbles you could see that it had been something sparkling like with the club soda and the prosecco it looked like it had like those little sparkles in it yeah it really is beautiful i really love it because again it's a way to incorporate nostalgia but it's more modern a lot of people just want to pour it all in there and they don't want to wait and you and it it is time consuming it's not necessarily difficult 
you just have to be patient. Right. Mm -hmm. Then put the other layer. Yeah, you could do different colored layers. Oh, and yeah. for Christmas, you could put a, maybe a red layer on the bottom and your clear layer on top, or you could do it, exactly. you know, however you like. And it's really impressive. I think if you were to put that on your table. I think so. Yeah. And it was delicious. Oh, good. It was really good. I yeah. really loved the mint in there. Yes. I thought with the tartness and the berries and that like bubbly Prosecco, it was just <laughs> fantastic in there. Yeah, I really liked that. Very nice. And and if you, you said strawberries, mint, like those would look lovely at Christmas too with those colors, with the red and the green. Yes. And it's not yes. a super heavy, like sometimes we've noticed when we've had big family dinners, it, dessert gets served and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed everything else so much. Like we're going to need like an hour before we can even right. think of consuming anything for dessert. Whereas this was like easy light. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Light. And yeah. refreshing. And it just, what a great oh. way to wrap up a, a, a nice big meal. If you're having that big holiday meal. Yeah, exactly. mm -hmm. always room for jello. There's always room for jello. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's been a long time since I've heard that. Oh. Absolutely true. Speaking of the main dish here, the other thing we made is the orange glazed hens. Oh my goodness! Sorry, I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> And you know, it was funny because we, none of us, I don't think, had ever made Cornish hen. Nope. Oh, um, yeah, isn't that funny? I used to make Cornish hen all the time when I first <laughs> was dating my oh. husband. Now I don't even bother. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I will definitely make this recipe again. Okay, so this recipe, uh, we did three hens. The recipe is for two, but we did three because there's three of us and we each wanted one. But you can totally scale the recipe to how it works for you. Exactly. Chopped mixed fresh herbs. We used rosemary, thyme, and parsley. Mm -hmm. Shallots, zest and juice of an orange, butter, salt and pepper. Um, and then to make your kind of glaze, you've got white wine and chicken stock in there. This is a very, very simple recipe. And at first, <laughs> first thing Sarah said, where's the garlic? <laughs> <laughs> I love garlic. <laughs> you can add garlic if you'd like to. Yeah, that's the thing. But we stuck to the recipe because we like to try recipes and see how they turn out. And we love this one. Oh, we loved it. Wonderful. Delicious. Oh, delicious. It is one of my favorites also. It was my mother's recipe or a recipe that she made. Made it often. And she did make it often at holiday time. So. Yeah, I loved how fast they were to cook. Yeah. Because yeah. I have never cooked them before, and I have had issues in the past with miscalculating turkey or chicken size time and being like, well, looks like dinner's going to be about an hour later than I thought. This was so quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. easy to, to bake up and do. Like 30 minutes in the oven, I think. Yeah. Wasn't it roughly? So really, really recommend this recipe. It's fantastic. And like you said, we, you add your garlic or change up the herbs. I mean, that's what I grabbed when I was at the store. But like you said, you, it could be whatever herbs you like with poultry. Yeah, whatever, whatever you like. I tell people, well, what do you like? I just mm -hmm. put a combination that I prefer in there or that I think people will like. So um, a lot of these vintage recipes are really simple like that. And that's what I tell people, that they have great bones, and then you can build on it. Get the initial recipe, and you see how it works. Then you can go back, and what have you said, and go, oh, but I like garlic, so let me put that in. Just having the base, and then grow from it. Have fun. And add your own touch. Make it, you know, right. something special that you do that 
you know, we'll pass on those memories then as generations uh, go. Yes, that's right. You're the nostalgia. Exactly. Like it comes from this great recipe that you then add to and then pass on like it. Exactly. It really mm -hmm. creates that bond throughout time, right? Put your own handwritten notes. Yeah. Force yourself I, to. Actually, Erin, you do have very nice writing. Yes, I you would, do. I would have to force myself to write a little nicer. At the end, when, when the Cornish hens were done, and be liberal with the butter, by the way. Mm -hmm. This yeah. was, yeah. don't be shy about butter. It just goes really well with this. We took the hens out of the pan mm -hmm. and we deglazed it, right? With We had white wine and broth and orange juice. That's how simple it was. And then salt and pepper to taste. And then you just strain it and you pour it on the Cornish hens. Right. Oh, yeah. it was like, it doesn't seem like a lot went into it, but yet it produced this beautiful dish that I don't want to stop talking about. <laughs> it was really also like if you're able to like I'm fortunate enough to live close to the farmer's market. I'm not everyone can do that, but if you're able to, that will elevate the recipe also. The quality of your ingredients. So And the technique of stuffing all that, the mix of the herbs and the butter and the shallots there, like popping that under the skin. Oh, that just it helps it keeps it from drying out that you don't want that breast meat to get dry, right? And the butter really helps. But the skin then is crispy too, which you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Kiki, for sharing these fantastic recipes with us. Uh, we'll be back in a moment to talk about a recipe we brought to you. Today's episode of Three Kitchens is sponsored by Pod Power. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans with Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Bookwoman. Bookwoman is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Metis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous stories from diverse mediums, like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. All right, welcome back. We're talking vintage recipes, and I had a vintage recipe that I didn't even really realize was a vintage recipe until we started going through this and talking about it. So I've got a stuffed spinach tomato recipe that I found in a cookbook that was published by the Woodward's Food Company. So Woodward's was a department store that opened in 1892 in Vancouver, BC, and eventually grew to 26 stores across BC and Alberta. And so in the 1960s, a woman named Mona Brune auditioned and became the face of the Woodward's cooking show. And that was on TV for 23 years. Mm. Oh. So this recipe comes from a cookbook that is a revised edition of Woodward's first cookbook called Cooking with Mona. Woodward's also had a grocery store and you so you could go and have your shop and then they would ship it out and you'd pick it up outside in the parking lot like you'd pull up and these guys would bring your boxes of food mm. out you didn't have to go around with the cart you basically anyway oh interesting i remember yeah. woodward's there was a big woodward's at chinook mall you guys that's where there was a big woodward's oh was there cool yeah so i picked this cookbook up i think off of like a discount store shelf 
probably 20 years ago. I don't even remember. A recipe that I've been making in here ever since I got it is a baked spinach top tomato. You take four large tomatoes that you just cut the top off of and scoop out the insides and you make a filling with frozen spinach that you thaw, um, garlic and onion, and you fry this up in a bunch of butter because the key to delicious is the butter. Better with butter. Fry all that stuff up and then add a little bit of lemon juice in there at the end. And then you uh, take that off the heat, put in eggs. This recipe calls for breadcrumbs, but I like using oatmeal to make this gluten-free. So you can, you put in some oats, salt and pepper to taste. And then you stuff it all in your tomatoes that you've hollowed out. You put some Parmesan cheese on top and then you bake these in your oven for about 30-35 minutes. And you get this delicious little package. I haven't made these in a while and when we got a chance to make these again, I was like, man, I have missed these off my menu. Like I had the nostalgia in the moment for this recipe because I haven't made it in a few years. I So I was taken right back. <laughs> in the moment. What did you think of the recipe? I loved the recipe. I was actually somewhat familiar with it because my mother used to make a stuffed tomato. Oh, fabulous. So I really enjoyed making it because it's also kind of the kind of food that I like. How's that? Um, myself, personally. First of all, I got these lovely, gorgeous, used tomatoes from my farmer's market. Mm. So that was really, you know, I loved that. And instead of uh, frozen uh, spinach, I happened to use fresh spinach, and that was just because it's what I had. So I followed the recipe completely as it was. And then I also, I used the Parmesan cheese, but I also added some herbed goat to it. Mm, so okay. that it would uh, give it a very creamy consistency. Right. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It baked up really nice. It was easy. It's not a, it's not a complicated recipe. Again, most of these vintage recipes are are pretty simple in the step. And then if you want to do something to elevate it, you can. The added goat cheese made it all creamy. Mm. So I really loved that. And then I was inspired by your recipe. So I actually made a second tomato using the same concept but with different flavors. So Ooh. I like to make a lot of Asian food also. So sometimes I will take vintage recipes and kind of do a fusion. And Ooh. that's what I did here. So I made a Cambodian flavored stuffed tomato using the same concept. You know, did the onion and the garlic saute, following the recipe, added the, the spinach um, and et cetera. But I added barbecued pork. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I used an Asian barbecue sauce. I did a little ginger in it, salt and pepper cilantro, fresh cilantro. And then for me, I used a little bit of sriracha. Now, mm. if you don't like spice, then don't add the sriracha. Or if you only you can add as much as you want, according to your own taste. So I took that original vintage recipe, added the other flavors, that's just my version of it, mm. and then stuffed that in the tomato. And I used a big green tomato for that one. Oh, okay. Wow. Yum. Wow. It's very nice. I did take pictures and everything. So. Oh, good. Somebody, I'll send that to you. I'll do a little blog 
we'll, we'll, you know, do that. But yeah, I loved it. I loved this recipe. So it sounds delicious. Added to the recipe, and I love it. And that's what I try to encourage people to do: is if you see a, a vintage recipe, maybe it's not exactly, you know, you think, oh, it's kind of old fashioned or something. You can still do something with it. I like that when you, by putting the pork into it, you kind of make it a meal. A meal, right? right. A one that's dish. Correct. Then you kind right. of, especially for a lunch, like a real big tomato that's yeah, stuffed with, right. you got some protein in there. That's like a, a nice lunch right there. That's correct. That can be a whole meal. And that's what's great about this recipe too. That's what I was going to mention is that it can, and depending on the size of your tomato, it could be a starter. It could be like an appetizer or you could smaller tomatoes. It could be like a side dish, as you said, your husband eating it with uh, a meat, uh, or it could be a whole meal. Mm-hmm. With the Cambodian um, tomato, you could also serve that with um, some stir-fry noodles. Mm. Tomato right up on top of that. Yes. And then you've got your meat and your noodles, and it, it, it absolutely is a whole meal that. Oh, yeah. put a fried egg on top of that. Absolutely. <laughs> There's always room for fried egg on it. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my tummy approves because yeah. it's talking right now <laughs> oh i love all of this this was these recipes were all so good yeah and when you want to try something new you never know if it's gonna be the thing you love or or not you know learn as you go and try things out that's mm-hmm. what that's what we're all about in the podcast absolutely i love that you are all home cooks actually because um as i tell people home cooks are the are the women that inspired me you know, not just my mother, but my aunts and uh, neighbors, friends, lunch ladies at school. Also, just wherever I went, I always just seemed to gravitate towards the kitchen. <laughs> so a lot of the recipes and the things that I've learned to cook, I have learned just from watching home cooks that have done it for years and years and years. Um, if I go to a friend's house when I was younger, they would be, what are you doing? I'm like, in the kitchen with your mother. <laughs> Still have some of those recipes today from those women. Uh, I'm also not afraid to ask for a recipe at a restaurant. You know, some will give it to you, some will not. Don't don't be afraid to ask. <laughs> mm, yeah. Okay, let's wrap up this discussion with our fun little rapid fire questions. Okay. <laughs> Favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. Sarah? Halloween. I know it's not a holiday, but I love Halloween. Yeah, I think Thanksgiving. I I have to say Christmas. Aha. My favorite. Okay, cake or pie? Oh, um, cake. Cake. Pie. Yeah, I'm I'm going with pie too. Okay, do you have a favorite uh, vintage cookbook? Uh, You obviously have a lot of them, so (laughs) this might be a tough one. Do you have a favorite? Um, One of my favorites is called the Household Searchlight Cookbook. It's from the 30s. It was my mother's. She got it from my great aunt. And it's um, just a wonderful cookbook that has all kinds of very basic recipes in it. So it's really nice if you um, are starting out and, uh, you know, you're not sure about things. Then it's a great book. And it's a pretty big book, too. I mean, they cover a lot of um, different categories. Sarah, do you have one? Uh, No, I don't have any vintage (laughs) books. (laughs) I have a cookbook that's a Better Homes and Gardens cookbook, mm-hmm. and it's a cookbook I think that's been published a lot, but it was one of the first ones that I got, and it sounds very much like um, what you were describing. It's It's got a little bit of everything in there, and it teaches you a lot of the basics 
and it kind of tells you what you need to cook and it, it holds your hands through a bunch of recipes and it's got it's got ones in there that are their their best love recipes and so they kind of point you in the direction of these are the ones that have stood the test of time and mine I, i've talked about it a few times <laughs> you guys probably the only i don't own a lot of cookbooks i'm an online recipe uh user but it's called food that really schmecks and it is a mennonite cookbook and we like to laugh my sisters and i like to laugh because we all have it my mom had given it to us years ago we like to laugh at some of the measurements like a pail of milk to make cheese or or butter the size of an egg yeah measurement like things like that that are just kind of fun and oftentimes no description a weird name and like no description it's like you have to kind of look at it and think what is this actually going to be if i were to make it it's just it's very entertaining and it's a cute book and some good recipes too okay thank you so much kiki for joining us this has been as much fun as we expected it would yes because it's such a fun topic thank you for all your expertise and for joining right in with us and cooking with us and just it's been a real pleasure yeah i really appreciate you guys inviting me i really enjoyed it like i said i will continue to listen to the podcast um i want you to know that the recipes that we that you both made today along with so many other beloved recipes are available in my um, recipe booklets which are on amazon and i hope you guys and others will come visit me on my facebook page too and um share their love of it. Absolutely. And we'll put the link to your page. I actually downloaded recipe booklets from, um, I'm a Kindle Unlimited subscriber. And if you are too, you can also download Kiki's recipe booklets right onto your Kindle. There's casseroles, there's a piece of cake, Sunday dinners. And then I also just recently released a Christmas cookie book. Oh, awesome. Got a lot of good vintage cookie recipes in it. That'll bring back some sweet memory. Oh, yes. And try the Cornish hens and the jelly. (laughs) Yes. And I can't wait to add what you zhuzhed up on those tomatoes. Like, yes. just, yes, like I yes, can't yes, get yes. this goat cheese out of my mind. <laughs> goat cheese sounds good. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send you over the recipe for those. That's what I add. I'll send over the ingredients that I added. Oh, yeah. fantastic. I had a great time doing it. And like I said, I really appreciate being here and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Chef Kiki. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And now for the fine print. Join us over on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, and on our website at threekitchenspodcast.com. And remember, when you like, follow, subscribe, and review, it helps more people find us. Thank you so much for listening. There's always room for jello. There's always room for jello. Oh my God. (laughs) That's been a long time since I've heard that.